Welcome to another episode of the Worklife Podcast. To find out more about the Worklife Hub and to listen to other episodes, please go to www.worklifehub.com. Welcome to another episode of the Worklife Hub Podcast. I am your host, Agnes Uheretsky. If this is the first time that you are tuning in, let me just say a few words about this podcast. We speak to authors, researchers, business thought leaders, for them to share their knowledge and insight on work-life balance, leadership, culture change and organizational development. In our work at the Worklife Hub, we help companies reform their workplace to create a culture that embraces diversity and work-life balance. We are passionate about building vibrant and engaging workplaces that are great for employees and customers. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can do this via Twitter at WorkLifeHub, on our LinkedIn page or on our website. We're always happy to hear how you like the podcast or any other ideas that you would like to share with us. And now, on with the show. Welcome to the listeners of the Work Life Podcast. This is your host, Agnes Uheretsky. And Eurofound, which we will explore a little bit later what it is, has just published in October 2000, November 2016 a new report. It's called the Gender Employment Gaps Report. And um, it comes up with some very interesting findings. For example, um, one figure that perhaps is not unfamiliar to our listeners is that The employment rate for men is 70.1% and the employment rate for women is 59.6% in the European Union. This is 2014 figures and some other very interesting figures as well. Um, And here today discussing his report and going more into depth is Massimiliano Mascherini. Hello. Hi, hello. Massimiliano is joining me from Dublin, where he is working as a research manager at Eurofound. This is the European Foundation for the Improvement of Living and Working Conditions. It's a European Union agency. Massimiliano is leading uh, is a leading author of the recent publication, this gender employment gap, which we will be discussing. And he recently carried out several studies in the field of youth. For example, the needs study, the young people who are not in employment nor education. And his research interests include labor market, social inclusion, social capital, civic participation and active citizenship. So I'm expecting we'll have a great conversation about all these very interesting topics. Yes, thanks. Thanks, Agnes. And thanks for uh, the invitation uh, to join you in this in this podcast. As, as uh, you introduced me very well, actually, I'm uh, Massimiliano Mascherini. I'm a research manager here at uh, Eurofound. Uh, I'm Italian. Uh, I am an applied statistician by my background, and uh, uh, I always work in the field of uh, social inclusion, uh, uh, labor market participation, uh, with a special focus focus on the non-participation and uh, the consequences of the non-participation in terms of uh, then a wider inclusion of the individual in the society. I joined Eurofound uh, seven years ago. Uh, Eurofound uh, is uh, an European agency, is the European Foundation for the Improvement of Living and Working Condition. And uh, actually, our our mandate uh, is uh, to 
produce knowledge in the field of employment and social and social affairs in order to contribute to the policy making in this in this area uh, we are located in dublin and we are the second oldest uh, agency founded by the european union thank you very much this was very concise and, and i think everybody really understands now your your institution so maybe going now focusing in on the study itself um i would like to know first what led you uh, what led Eurofound to the development of this study and and why now why the timing we decided uh, i decided to propose these studies this study uh, a couple of years ago uh, because uh, europe have been hit very hard by the economic crisis uh, but uh, in order to reach uh, uh, the target of the European 2020 agenda, uh, which actually uh, ensure as a target that the 75% of the population in Europe has to be uh, in employment, so have to, to participate into the labor market, a greater participation have to be mobilized. Uh, in this regard, as you mentioned before, I studied young people, uh, one of the population mostly hit by the economic crisis in the past years, and another population, another subgroup that was hit by the economic crisis, but then traditionally uh, behind in terms of labor market participation was the group of women. Now, fostering uh, labor market participation of women is uh, uh, a target of uh, the, European, uh, the European Commission and the European Union and several policy initiatives have been put in place in order to promote a wider labor market participation of women. Uh, this is the strategy for equality between men and women, uh, and then especially the social investment package, uh, which actually refer especially to youth and women as a population that uh, should be supported in order to participate more into the labor market. So in this political policy framework, actually, this study uh, arrives. Great. Thank you for, for this and for this background. So moving on maybe to the concept of the gender gap. You have looked at different types of gaps. Uh, and also looking at the main determinants of these gaps, so uh, the female labor market participation, the interplay between the individual and the household characteristics, between norms and, and um, stereotypes. So maybe it would be uh, good if we could start from the fire, as they say. So why gender gap? Because I guess the listeners are, are quite used to hearing about gender equality, measures fostering gender equality. And this seems to me that you have reversed engineered a little bit uh, from the policy context and said, okay, where are the gaps and how to close these gaps? Yes, uh, with the gender gap, uh, we identify the differences uh, in, a set, in, a, in, a, in a set of several uh, dimension between uh, the performance of men and the one of women actually. Uh, in our report, we focus especially in the gender employment gap, but we may have other gaps, as for example, the gender pay gap. So the difference in uh, salaries, average salaries between men and women. Uh, but in our report, we decided to focus on the gender employment gap. So the difference in labor market participation between men and women. Uh, 
And what we found was that uh, uh, in 2014, but this data was also confirmed in 2015, around the 70% of uh, uh, men were employed in the labor market against the 60% of women. So we have on average a 10%, 11% gap between the labor market participation of men and women. Now, uh, these, uh, in, in, the last, in the last decades, there has been uh, an increase of labor market participation of women. It's a secular trend of this catching up of the two trends, but still uh, we have a 10% difference. Now, in order to visualize a 10% difference, because statistics leaves a very, very little room with a 10% to imagination, let's say that the 10% correspond to 17 millions of women that are not in the labor market in comparison to men so 17 millions is a huge is a huge number is is a is similar to the entire population of Netherlands. So when we speak about a gender employment gap so the difference between men and women we are talking about uh, 17 millions of women uh, that are not in the labor market. So is a huge is a huge number actually. This include actually uh, these uh, 17 millions includes uh, uh, women that would like to have a job but they cannot uh, uh, take one due to family responsibilities, for example. But also women that cannot secure a job under the right conditions or the one that or one that are not offered uh, fair treatment with uh, good quality or good uh, or good uh, or good pay actually. So. Uh, we talk uh, uh, and we know that Europe is built on equal opportunities, uh, but looking at the labor market, it seems that there are, uh, these opportunities are less equal for a group, the group of women, than for the rest. You have done a very complicated um, computation to measure what this non-participation of all of these 17 million women who would like to participate but are not participating, what this costs per year for the European economy. And, and you have come to this figure of 370 billion euro or 2.8% of the GDP, looking at uh, the cost of inaction from policies and, and I also guess employers and what could be the opportunity or gains if, if the policies would actually perform better and enable these women. Um, but so maybe summarizing, why is it important to close this gap? I mean, on the one side, it is because, as you say, it's values of equal opportunities, of fairness, of social justice, but you also make a very clear economic argument why it's important to close this gap. Yes. Uh, closing the gender employment gap should be an economic and a social objective. Uh, now, um, there have been a, a recent publication of the World Economic Forum sh showing that it would take 170 years in order to take the gender employment gap. So, actions is needed is needed in order to close the gender employment gap. So if uh, it takes uh, 100 years to close the gender employment gap, we wanted to know, to understand what are the cost of having uh, uh, this large uh, gender employment gap in Europe. In order to do that, actually, we took, uh, uh, we investigated, uh, uh, we did actually a very conservative estimation that actually took into account uh, uh, foregone earnings, uh, 
uh, those who actually are not working, uh, unpaid taxes due to the missing participation, but also the excess of welfare transfer that those women that are not working are more likely to receive given this condition. So it was a very conservative estimation, uh, which took into account just three these three quantities uh, using uh, data that are comparable for all the European member states. What we found was that uh, the overall uh, loss due, the yearly loss due to the gender employment gap is 370 billion, equal to the 2.8% of the GDP. Now, this is an European estimation, so is the average for all Europe. Of course, among member states, there is a huge variation. Uh, and uh, for example, the, the lower uh, the lowest gender, the lower, the lowest cost of the gender employment gap is paid, for example, in Lithuania with one percent, Latvia one point five percent, of Sweden one point one point four percent of cost in terms of GDP. On the other hand, uh, the cost is very high in Mediterranean countries, those countries that have a very high gender employment gap. For example, Greece, uh, the cost is around 5% of the GDP, Italy 5.7% and Malta 8%. So it is huge, actually. Uh, also because uh, um, it is not... Uh, uh, it is not just a question of fairness, as you mentioned, but uh, it's not just an economic cost. Uh, but uh, with these uh, 17 million, is an incredible amount of talents that uh, yeah. we do not provide the right opportunity to allow them to participate to the labor market. Uh, we have also to think about the social aspect, because uh, labor is not just an economic, uh, an economic, uh, an economic issue. Uh, because uh, participating uh, to the labor market and work is the main source of income. Uh, so is the main tool uh, against deprivation and poverty. Uh, and actually is the paid activity to a, to a lot of, uh, is the paid ticket to a lot of activities uh, in nowadays a society. So participating to the labor market uh, is also uh, a way to ensure well-being for the individual and for the society as a whole. Now, in, we have studied the, the perceptions and the well-being of women who are in the labor market and those who are not in the labor market. And what we found was uh, that uh, women in employment evaluate, for example, their lives more positively in terms of those who are outside the labor market. Moreover, uh, those, who, those who participate in employment, they are more empowered. Uh, and this because employment provides also a network of social support uh, and uh, a source of independence of self-esteem. So participating to the labor market gives uh, uh, economic independence, but also a higher level of social inclusion and uh, a stronger network of contacts uh, for, for, for women that participate to the labor market. With this, actually, uh, we are not uh, uh, concluding that that uh, all women should work. Actually, it's not uh, uh, this the message that we wanted to send. Actually, uh, the message that we wanted to send is that uh, the freedom of choice should be ensured. Uh, so, uh, those women that would like to participate to the labor market, and as we saw from our study, they are millions. Uh, 
we should give them the opportunity in order to freely participate to the labor market. Now, uh, this takes me, it's very interesting uh, what you mentioned also about the freedom of choice, because I, I spent uh, some time actually on, on, on investigating and, and thinking about that. Um, you, in the report, um, you, you examined 18 um, policy regimes, 18 policy measures. Um, however, policy regimes and, and the institutional framework is just one part of these determinants. You, you list that there's the individual characteristics, then the family household circumstance, the policy regimes, cultural attitudes, stereotypes, and then the macroeconomic conditions. So our environments that either enable us or hamper us from um, participating in meaningful and, and uh, quality jobs is incredibly complex. Um, so so I, would, I would argue a little bit with you from the devil's advocate point of view that freedom of choice is actually pretty limited and perhaps as some, you know, refer also in, in your report to those who have higher education levels, higher earnings, who can choose or not, you know, among different types of childcare, who can afford help, the lower skilled and, and um, women stuck, especially in, in the bad quality or, or part-time work in the, in the segregated uh, female dominated, they, they may have a lot less uh, freedom of choice actually. Indeed, indeed. And for this reason, we should work in order to provide and ensure the freedom of choice to all, actually. Uh, not just uh, for the most privileged that that can uh, that have this freedom of choice, actually. For this reason, we should uh, work and we should uh, promote policies to foster labor market participation of women, uh, uh, to provide better childcare support measures uh, uh, and a flexible working time arrangement in order to, uh, to promote and to provide freedom of choice to everybody, in order to provide uh, more equal opportunities to to everybody those three countries that um, that come up quite um, as, as the bad students so to speak um, Greece Italy and and Malta um, I guess it's a combination of factors but but what are they that actually make it so that there is the biggest gap uh, in women's participation well, I think that is uh, there is uh, some uh, economic, cultural, uh, and societal barriers uh, in the sense that uh, the regime that there is in this country is very uh, familiar center. So uh, women has been traditionally seen uh, as those uh, providing uh, uh, care for child, children, and uh, and adults uh, to uh, be involved in 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 uh, uh, housewives and unpaid uh, domestic activities actually so is more is more at is a, is a cultural dimension that should be should be uh, changed uh, now we talk uh, we talk a lot although these countries are those with uh, the highest gap uh, we talk nowadays in europe a lot regarding divergence and uh, divergence of member state performance in terms of gender employment gap uh, south mediterranean countries are, have grown uh, 
uh, faster than uh, other European countries. Uh, still, uh, the gender employment gap in these countries is still is still very high. So what what to do basically is is not just a matter of uh, policy intervention, but also changing the mindset. And I think that the two things uh, uh, go in some sense uh, uh, together, where the policy effort, uh, the policy actions uh, is uh, a way to trigger also a cultural change, uh, which then will be reflected with uh, better childcare and uh, a greater access to childcare in order to remove barriers to the labor market participation of women. I think this is probably the um, the the one million euro question of uh, what comes first. Is it first the culture change and then that will inform uh, different types of policies or we need the policies and then that will in turn uh, trigger culture change? I guess it's a iterative process, uh, especially changing a lot of behaviors, a lot of um, um, bias and, and stereotypes. So in the report you have, uh, there's, there's a fantastic chart actually, um, where you, you looked at these different policies. So, so there's labor market policy measures, there's childcare measures, leave related policies and flexible working. And as a work-life balance geek, I was quite uh, surprised that you put work-family reconciliation policy measures into mm -hmm. the, the quarter of the pie of flexible working. I was under the impression until now that um, also childcare and, and leaves are within the reconciliation policies. So was there a particular um, reason for this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we wanted uh, to... Uh... Uh, in the studies of the policies that we carried out, uh, we found that uh, uh, the provision of uh, childcare services was uh, the, mo the main uh, policy driver of yeah. uh, female labor market participation. Yes. So for this reason, we wanted to emphasize these and uh, to put these as an uh, uh, independent, independent mm -hmm. cluster, cluster of policies. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, I mean, uh, is a key success factor in order to uh, promote and support women in their labor market participation. And, uh, and, uh, and these factors are, for example, the host of childcare, but also the quality yeah. uh, and uh, the compa compatibility with uh, uh, the patterns uh, of working hours. Actually, so these are yeah. the three the three keys uh, key key drivers, uh, mm -hmm. but also uh, how social is accepted uh, that that the child go to uh, a childcare. So mm -hmm. we wanted to emphasize this because uh, we deem that uh, uh, is the main is the main policy driver probably. Absolutely, I, I couldn't agree more. Now, um, because time is always running very fast on these podcast recordings, um, before we go to our last question, may I just ask you, Massimiliano, where to tell listeners where they can reach you, where they can find the report or follow up if they have some questions? Yes, uh, the report can be downloaded from our website, which is www.eurofound.europa.eu. And uh, listeners can reach me on my Twitter account, which is uh, at Mascherini M, or uh, with my email, which is mam at eurofound.europa.eu.
perfect so now we have looked at a little bit um, the arch uh, of the report uh, going from the problems to the policy solutions so to get very concrete um, which are perhaps the three key recommendations key takeaways of the report that you would like to emphasize um, it can be more, <laughs> of course, but 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 the three that uh, that really struck you yeah. and say, okay, if we pull these levers, then change will happen. Well, probably the first message that the report wanted to to give is that uh, uh, mm. invest in people. Uh, so do not uh, do not just uh, think that uh, the growth can arrive with uh, building bridges or build uh, infrastructure, but uh, investing in people we will have a very high returns. And for this reason, we tried to estimate the cost of the gender employment gap to show that uh, the uh, returns uh, for a wider labor market participation. Uh, will be will be great actually be will be very consistent and uh, if you if you uh, want to invest in infrastructure uh, invest in childcare because uh, investing in childcare will provide uh, support uh, uh, will provide the tools uh, to uh, enlarge the labor market participation of women but not just a women, because then there is also the spiral effect. Uh, but so this is a this is probably the main the main messages. Uh, the main messages not do not just build bridges, but uh, invest in people. And if you wanted to invest in infrastructure, uh, build childcare, uh, because this will mean also to invest to invest uh, to invest in people. Uh, then it is important actually to uh, initiate. Uh, a transformation. Uh, for example, when talking about maternal and paternity leave, uh, paternal leave, we found that uh, this has a small positive effect. What has a strong effect is the flexibility of parental leave, of parental entitlement, but also and especially the extent to which male partners take up leave entitlements. So, to uh, apply. Uh, and initiate a transformation that could shift uh, the uh, responsibilities, uh, not just on women, but on women and men. And so to involve and to, uh, to make this shift by promoting the take-up of leave, of leave entitlements. Uh, an Italian politician said two, two days ago, actually, that he wanted to put uh, uh, mandatory for men to have uh, two weeks uh, of uh, two weeks of mandatory paternal leave when a child is born. Actually, I think that uh, we should uh, maybe this uh, we come back to changing the cultural mindset, but actually we should think in more larger way of reshifting the responsibilities and participation to the family of men, men and women, and then. Uh, I think that uh, flexibility uh, is uh, is important. Flexibility in terms of flexible working, uh, flexible time, I think, is valuable. Uh, with uh, uh, because it will permit actually to take uh, into account the different needs and to conciliate better, as we were saying before, 
familiar uh, the family uh, family work work family reconciliation however mm. avoiding the source of stigma uh, because if these flexibility uh, flexible working condition are just taken up by by women these may be associated with a reduced commitment by employers so Again, it is important uh, more shared responsibilities between men and female uh, on uh, family responsibilities, and uh, these could be reflected with uh, uh, better shared also uh, take up of flexible working condi- flexible working uh, um, Options. Measures. Yeah. Options. Mm. Yes. Yes. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much. I think that you have really summed up beautifully the the key issues that are in the report, but also are at the forefront of of, of our interest and and our work. And and um, I'm I just like to stay optimistic and say that probably the time is now um, better than ever before to to realize this with. Uh, new ways of working and and the changing nature of work um, it gets more and more important to employers you know to get the work done um, regardless of by whom and where and when Um, and so this could be a great opportunity to include more women but of course as you say we need those kind of mindset shifts in policy in terms of where the investment is going and where the emphasis is going. Well, thank you very much, yeah. Massimiliano, for taking the time to join Thanks me to and, and being on this podcast. Um, congratulations again for your report. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. So what's maybe just a couple of words more. What's next for the report? Where, where did this report land on whose desk and, and what is going to be uh, perhaps the next steps with it? Well, we presented this report at the FEM Committee of the European Parliament. Uh, we have seen um, that the report already input uh, in uh, some uh, recommendation of the European Parliament, uh, and uh, overall it has uh, very well received by uh, the policy the policy arena. Uh, we will keep uh, working on uh, on uh, on this topic, um, and uh, let's see let's see what happens. But uh, uh, I think that uh, this report was very, very well received uh, and uh, uh, providing uh, an economic uh, measure to the, this incredible uh, gender employment gap that we have uh, helped to visualize that there is a problem, so there is a, a big problem. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, thank you again and best of success for the future. Thanks a lot and uh, thanks to the, to the listeners. Thank you. And if you would like to learn more about the work of the Work Life Hub, what we're doing besides podcasts, why not go to www.worklifehub.com where you can find information about our work and our activities on flexible work, on working with companies, working with policymakers. And we're looking forward to hearing from you at info at worklifehub.com.